COVID isn't the only pandemic threat we face. You may not know that the infectious disease that killed the most people in 2018 wasn't malaria or HIV, it was tuberculosis. Because of antibiotic resistance, a growing number of TB infections can't be cured by current methods. Rising fever, chest pain, coughing up blood. Without new treatments, this ancient sickness could become a future crisis. Hi, I'm Ben Hickey. Welcome to Tech Now, a podcast about Australian innovations that are shaping the future. Each episode, we chat to great tech thinkers who are changing the world thanks to the Global Connections Fund, a project run by the Australian Academy of Technology and Engineering and supported by the Australian government. What if we could treat antibiotic-resistant TB with a new drug delivered straight into the lungs by an asthma puffer-style device? Thanks to a new technology developed by Associate Professor Charlotte Kahn, her team at RMIT, and their collaborators in India, this dream cure could become a reality. Hi, Charlotte. A lot of people think of tuberculosis as a 19th century disease. What does it look like in the 21st century? Hi, Ben. Yeah, TB, it does kind of have those romantic associations with 19th century poets, but it's unfortunately very much not a romantic disease. The symptoms are pretty horrific and it is still very prevalent in the 21st century. So we know that since 2018, 40 million people worldwide have been treated for TB and that sadly includes three and a half million children. And we also know that multi-drug resistant TB and even completely drug resistant TB is really increasing worldwide. And we've had one and a half million people since 2018 who've been treated for drug resistant TB. So at the minute, it's still one of the top 10 causes of death globally. And in fact, in 2019, it was the leading cause of death from a single infectious agent. I suspect maybe COVID has overtaken it um, since then, but certainly um, in 2019, there were an estimated 1.2 million deaths from TB. So it's still very prevalent, um, but really it's a disease of poverty. We know that TB is not prevalent in Australia. In fact, um, when I emigrated to Australia in 2006 from Ireland, I had to undergo a chest x-ray to prove that I wasn't infected with TB. So the Australian government is working still to keep TB out of the country. But we know that TB is very prevalent in Southeast Asia, particularly in India, where our, um, where our collaborator is based, and also across most of Africa. Those are pretty scary figures. Uh, what are the issues with the current approaches to treatment that we have? So first of all, it's important to note that TB is curable and about at the minute about 85% of, of new TB cases can be successfully cured. But the TB treatment regime can be very costly and those costs can really be catastrophic um, for people who are living in, in poverty. They're just not able to cope with the costs of the treatment. And the second issue with TB treatment is that it's a very long treatment regime. So it actually takes about six months um, to successfully treat someone for tuberculosis. And we know that even in developed countries like Australia, it's very hard for people to comply with a, a medication regime that lasts for that long. And if you're looking at, at the developing world, if you're looking at people who really don't have easy access to healthcare, then um, it's very, very hard for them to be able to take medication over a prolonged period. 
And the problem with TB, it's, it's caused by a, by a bacterium, a mycobacterium tuberculosis. And what we know about bacteria, what we know about um, increasing antimicrobial resistance, is that if you don't complete the course, if you do treat the bacteria with a sublethal dose of the antibiotic, then those bacteria are liable to become resistant to the drug. And that's why we're seeing this really massively growing prevalence of drug-resistant tuberculosis. That sounds like the perfect storm. So how is this approach different, this new approach to treating tuberculosis? Well, this new approach actually uses a completely novel drug against tuberculosis, which was developed by our collaborator, M. Dr. Tarun Sharma, and his company, Aptabharat, in Faridabad, India. So as I said, um, tuberculosis is caused by this um, bacterium, mycobacterium tuberculosis. And this um, drug actually works um, to inhibit an enzyme which is present in that bacterium. So it's a very new type of drug called an aptamer. So it's essentially a single strand of DNA. And that DNA strand can fold itself into a very specific shape, which can bind to proteins. So in the case of these aptamers, they actually bind to an enzyme called malate synthase, which is present in the tuberculosis bacterium. And this enzyme helps the tuberculosis bacterium to survive in tough environments, so it really helps the infection to persist. So in this case, the drug acts to inhibit or to stop the action of that enzyme, and so to stop the infection spreading within the body. The problem with these newer types of, of drugs um, is that they can be quite unstable. So um, they can actually be degraded very quickly in the body. They can be degraded before they have time to take effect. So for us, the second step of the process is that we take the drug and we encapsulate it in a lipid nanoparticle. So we hear a lot about the use of, of nanoparticles. They're increasingly used in medicine and we call that um, nanomedicine. And there have been some um, safety concerns, particularly around um, hard inorganic nanoparticles. And I like to think that our nanoparticles are a little bit different because um, they're kind of soft, squishy nanoparticles. And um, they're actually based on molecules that are found in the body and they're based on structures that are found in the body. So we call them biomimetic because they mimic a structure that's found naturally in the body. And because of that, they tend to be a lot less toxic. They're very biocompatible. And once they've delivered the drug, the body can process them um, quite easily and kind of clear that material from the body when they're not needed anymore. So we take the drug, we essentially package it up inside this lipid nanoparticle, which can um, protect it, which can deliver it to where it needs to go in the body. And the third step is that we then um, nebulize the um, the particles into an aerosol, which is, allows us to deliver them um, very easily to the lungs. And I think last year during the COVID crisis, we kind of had an example of how effectively nebulization works to deliver material to the drugs, to the lungs, when we had the, the case in hotel quarantine, where someone unfortunately used a nebulizer to administer the medication, and they very effectively spread the COVID virus to all the neighboring rooms. So we're using a very similar effect. But in this case, we actually do want to effectively deliver that drug um, deep 
into the lungs. And the novel thing about the nebulizer is that we're using a new type of, of nebulization, not the same type as is used in your standard um, asthma um, puffer, but um, a, a very new type, which was developed by Professor Leslie Yeo in the School of Engineering at RMIT. And this nebulizer uses a surface acoustic wave to nebulize um, the particles. So we actually tried this for the first time during this project. And we were very pleased to see that our particles could be nebulized into these aerosol droplets. And we found that both the drug and the particle were structurally stable after nebulization. So that was really good preliminary data for us. That's extraordinary. So an acoustic wave, so like sound. Yeah, essentially, essentially a sound wave that can break these particles into the aerosol droplets. That's amazing. And how long is a course of this treatment in comparison to the current methods? So at this stage, we don't know how long that will be. We haven't yet gone to clinical trials, but we have tested both the nebulized and the unnebulized forms of our drug-loaded particles against the actual um, bacteria that cause tuberculosis. And very promisingly, we found that our drug-loaded particles were killing the bacteria off much more quickly than the unloaded drugs. So we're really hopeful that using um, this new treatment delivery method will um, reduce the length of that treatment regime. And how did your team arrive at this innovation? What's the story that got you here? Yeah, well, um, it's a really multidisciplinary team um, from RMIT that came together. So I have been working with lipid nanoparticles for now for decades. So it's beginning to seem like a very long time, actually. Um, did my PhD in these lipid materials um, back in the early 2000s in, um, in Imperial College London. And um, I had started to really look at using these materials for drug delivery because they are very effective as drug delivery vehicles. And I started working with um, Dr. Sarvesh Soni and Dr. Sampa Sarkar at RMIT. And they both had... Um, a very strong background in tuberculosis and in developing um, drugs to treat tuberculosis infection. And we then um, made the connection with Professor Yeo because we wanted to check if we could um, nebulize our particles, particularly for pulmonary drug delivery. That looked like a very promising kind of area for us to go in. So we had already um, come together and were looking at nebulizing these particles for pulmonary drug delivery. And um, Sarvesh then introduced us to Dr. Tarun Sharma, who was a collaborator of his in India, who had developed these really novel, unique drugs against tuberculosis. And I think at that time, the pieces of the puzzle really just all fell into place. And there was a real excitement within the team that we could do something completely new and that we could potentially create something that would have a positive impact on the lives of so many people. So what stage are trials up to and uh, when could we see this on the ground? So we've done a lot of um, characterization of our materials. So within my lab, um, we focus on making new lipid materials and um, developing materials specifically for the end application. So at this stage, we have made um, quite a large library of lipid nanoparticles for testing, for delivering these drugs. And we've shown that we can very successfully um, load 
this new type of drug into these materials. And we know how long they're stable and how long we can um, keep them inside our particles before they start to release. And um, we've also shown that we can successfully nebulize these drug-loaded particles into an aerosol using Professor Yeo's um, nebulizer technology. And we've tested both the nebulized um, form of our drug-loaded particles and the unnebulized form against these um, mycobacterium cultures in the laboratory. And we've have, had really promising results um, that, that these um, particles are very, very good at killing these bacteria. So we had planned a very nice set of animal trials with some um, collaborators in the US. It's actually quite difficult with animal trials. Um, many animal trials are carried out on, on rats or, or mice. That's, they're easy animals to work with. But when you're looking at nebulization, um, you really need to look at bigger animals like ferrets or sheep. And, and that's not something we can easily do in Australia. So we had some collaborators in the US and our trials were planned for 2020. And my postdoc was going to fly to the US to, to you to make the particles and to use it. So unfortunately, that's been postponed for the time being. Um, but we're very happy with the data that we have. We still plan to run those animal trials and um, hopefully things will continue to, prog to progress and to look good as they do now. But I think it, it's, very, it's a very long time really to get any drug um, or drug, new formulation for drugs onto the market. So unfortunately, it might be still quite a few years before anything actually gets to the clinical stage. Of course, of course. But if we were to imagine a few years in the future uh, and we think of someone who's suffering from tuberculosis, what might their experience of receiving this treatment, uh, fingers crossed, be like? How I hope it would look is that um, someone would be administered with an, with an asthma um, type inhaler and that that inhaler would contain all of the drug they needed for the full um, treatment regime so that they didn't need to keep um, presenting at a, at a healthcare provider if, for example, that was they were um, in an area where that was not possible. And I would hope that the treatment regime would be very much shorter than it is now. And um, we also would hope that um, by administering lower quantities of the drug um, and by hopefully developing a prototype that is inexpensive to make, we could make that treatment regime as, as cheap as possible so that we do have a situation where we, we have this universal health coverage for the treatment of TB that we're just not seeing at the minute. So it sounds like this is a truly global team and it's tragic that COVID has disrupted some of the developments. What's it been like working with teams in the US and in India, especially in light of the pandemic? Yeah, well, obviously COVID really um, put a stop to many of our plans, which was really unfortunate, particularly as I've been very lucky to visit India twice already and absolutely just fell in love with the country. It's such an amazing country. It's incredibly beautiful. The food is great. And and I was really, really looking forward to spending time in the laboratory of our of our Indian collaborator, Dr. Sharma. And yeah, that was unfortunately curtailed by COVID. But we got very lucky in that we planned for Dr. Sharma to visit us at RMIT in, in November 2019. So in retrospect, you know that we literally just got him over in, when travel was still possible. 
And that was absolutely great. We had really fruitful discussions during that time. And um, Dr. Sharma delivered the, the these novel drugs to us and actually worked with us in beginning to set up some experiments and, and some of the experience and the techniques that he had in actually beginning to train um, some of the students and the postdocs in my lab in using those. So I think we were very lucky there. And, and I really hope that when travel restrictions ease, um, I will be able to travel to India and, and to see Dr. Sharma's lab in, in person. And do you see any other potential applications for these innovations and technologies? Absolutely. And I think the amazing thing about these particles that we're working with is that they are really versatile as drug delivery vehicles. So... Um, We've shown that they can be used to deliver a very wide range of different drugs. They're actually very flexible particles. So we can encapsulate, you know, drugs that are very big, drugs that are very small. We can encapsulate water-soluble drugs. And importantly, we can also encapsulate very poorly water-soluble drugs. And and these drugs are often not used because if you have a drug that's insoluble, it can be very difficult to administer in the body. So um, we've shown that they can be used to deliver chemotherapeutics um, very effectively to tumor cells. And within my research, I do a lot of work looking at them for the administration of a new type of drug, um, which is protein or peptide-based therapeutics. So this type of drug is very, very fast-growing sector of the pharmaceutical industry. And probably the best-known protein therapeutic is insulin which um, has obviously been around for quite a long time. But um, just like the aptamers that we're working with for TB, protein and peptide-based drugs can be very um, fragile and they degrade very quickly in the body. And one important thing about this type of drugs is that they're almost impossible to administer orally um, because they're degraded very quickly in the harsh environment of the stomach. So that we know with insulin, even today, people need to inject themselves. And that's really unpleasant experience. And no one wants to have to inject themselves with a drug multiple times per day. So one of the other projects I'm looking on is whether we can deliver insulin orally and whether we can get appreciable levels of that in the blood by protecting the protein through that harsh environment of the stomach. And another project that I'm working on also related to antimicrobial resistance is looking at using um, cubosomes to deliver antimicrobial peptides. So we know at the minute, um, huge problem worldwide with antimicrobial resistance. We have um, antibiotic resistant bacteria have been discovered in literally every country of the world. We are not developing new antibiotics fast enough. So we really need to look at repurposing um, materials that we already know are antimicrobial. And um, antimicrobial peptides, are um, they're part of nature's innate defense against bacteria. They're produced by very many organisms, but again, very unstable. So um, we've shown that by encapsulating and protecting these peptides within these lipid nanoparticles and we can actually protect them from being degraded either chemically or enzymatically in the body and that they are then effective at killing bacteria. So hopefully a potential um, alternative to conventional antibiotics. That's very exciting. What else do you think needs to be done to fight TB 
and also to prevent the rise of more antibiotic-resistant bacterial infections of whatever kind. In terms of antimicrobial resistance, um, we need better education around the use of antibiotics. So we need doctors not to over-prescribe antibiotics and we need um, people to be very um, careful themselves and how they take antibiotics and to make sure that, you know, as the doctor tells you, make sure that you finish the course. In terms of TB, of course, we need universal health coverage in terms of treatment for TB. But um, in the UN Sustainable Development Goals, they've actually put a goal to eradicate tuberculosis completely by 2030. And I think to do that, um, just like COVID, we really need a very robust um, global vaccination program. And in fact, at the minute, we're working on another project with um, other collaborators in the US on using these lipid particles to develop nano vaccines for, for tuberculosis. So that's also looking um, really exciting. And, and maybe that's a story for another day. Well, that is just absolutely amazing. Uh, it's a lot of lives uh, being changed and saved by your work. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Is there anything else you wish I could have asked or that you'd like to add? Well, I really just wanted to say a big thank you to ATSI and the, the Global Connections Fund for providing the funding that allowed us to make the connections with, with Dr. Sharma in India. And, and hopefully, I just hope that, that someday we'll see a product on the market that's based on the research that that created. Thank you. And thank you for your life-saving work. Thanks again, Ben. That was Charlotte Conn, recipient of the Global Connections Bridging Grant, part of the Global Innovation Strategy of the National Innovation and Science Agenda. For more stories about world-changing innovations, go to atsc.org.au slash technow. Thanks for listening.